0: the paradox of education is precisely this, that as one becomes conscious, one begins to examine the society in which they are being educated. James Baldwin. Bearing Witness, part of the Racial Reckoning Project, is a reflective dive into the week's events unfolding in this season of racial upheaval and, we hope, change. I'm Anthony Galloway, Executive Director of the Arts Us Center for the African Diaspora.
1: And I'm Georgia Fort, an independent journalist.
0: I think it's important, especially in this time, as we are supposedly having our moment of reckoning, one of the things that we have to reckon with, unfortunately, is the running away from the very truth that is staring us in the face. Whether it is bills across the United States that are banning and trying to say what you can and cannot teach, um, most specifically, Texas. It makes me think about what is coming through the pipeline there. That as a teacher in a classroom, I am no longer to call the Ku Klux Klan morally reprehensible. I can't teach things like Susan B. Anthony or MLK. That there is this influx of folks who somehow believe that addressing and facing the truth of our nation somehow diminishes it. While a whole group of us say that is telling the truth about our society is the way in which we can actually fall in love with the idea of what it's supposed to be. Now, Ms. Georgia, you've been covering a whole lot of the pieces of this consciousness growing up, and I I am finding myself more and more um, connecting with what James Baldwin was trying to get across. And so what's been coming across your radar this week as we check in about not just the day's news, but this continued battle for just the consciousness of truth-telling?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think the biggest thing that we've been seeing people rally around is the private security that's been hired in Uptown and just how much authority does a private security firm get to have?
0: So if you're wondering what we're referring to with the with the private security, you can go to racialreckoningmn.org and see the reporting. A video ticket shows several armed men assaulting a woman in the Uptown neighborhood of Minneapolis. Um, The men refused to identify themselves to bystanders, but appeared to be acting as security for Seven Points, formerly known as Calhoun Square.
1: Uh, We've seen attacks on citizens. We've seen at least three people with severe injuries who were simply gathering on Lake Street in honor of Winston Smith and Deanna Marie, who lost her life advocating for justice for Winston Smith. And when you contrast what's happening in Uptown, what uh, city officials, what state officials are allowing to transpire in Uptown with this private security firm, when you contrast that with what is happening with uh, Representative Thompson, uh, who is being, you know, demanded. The, the governor is demanding that he resign. Uh, you, you start to realize that we have evolved into a much different place than where we were last year, and the fight for justice in 2021 looks very different in Minnesota than what it did in 2020.
0: You get a sense that the trajectory that was expected um uh, to, to happen in this space would have a differing outcome. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded that even at the same time as, as folks are, are challenging the the authority of this security firm that's being hired by folks who feel under threat and, 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 and the, the rise in what we already knew was going to be a hot summer just because of COVID, um, let alone what happened um, to, to Brother George Floyd, um, you also are having folks who are standing up to say, we need police. We need to increase and hire more police officers, and so there's this interesting breakdown um, that is that is occurring in the in the conversations back and forth. I'm curious um, what what you've come across for folks who are saying that um, who, who who at you know months ago were saying we need to completely rethink how we do public safety, who are now calling for even an increase in the amount of officers and in and, and things that we heard. Uh, prior to the unrest even happening. I'm curious to see what you're seeing in that back and forth.
1: Well, Anthony, I think we're still at a similar place where there is a lack of consensus. People are not all on the same page about what what is the best way to move forward in terms of public safety. And we were at this crossroads last year, as well, where people are at different ends of the spectrum. Last year, we saw some people who were calling for total abolition, and we saw people who were saying that we just needed training reform. Hmm. This year, it's similar. Uh, You still have a group of individuals who are advocating for abolition, and you still have a a group of people who are saying we just need reform. Um, The amount of people who are at each side of the spectrum may have shifted. Uh, The type of people (laughs) who are at each side of the spectrum may have changed as well. And to your point, Anthony, I think what you were alluding to is the fractures that we continue to see amongst those who are advocating for change in our community. Whereas before, it felt like there was a larger group of people who were in consensus about which way to move forward. And following a lot of the violence in North Minneapolis, uh, we just saw another a three-year-old baby uh, hit with a bullet, right? And so as we continue to see the violence um, has not been quelled in North Minneapolis. And you continue to hear more community um, elders specifically who are making these pleas for an increase in in policing. I will say, however, uh, when you you look at um, this private company using private security I think we are now approaching a new public safety concern with the way that private business owners or private property owners are deciding to protect their property, which brings me back to something that was front and center last year. This idea, this ideology of property over people, and it is a theme that continues to persist during the you know, racial reckoning movement, where we're continuously seeing political power, uh, uh, capital resources delegated to protecting property, and not necessarily the same amount of resources delegated to protecting people.
0: You know, one one of the challenges is 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 long term root cause solutions. Um, you know, are always seem to be at odds in the way that we have conditioned our society um, with the short-term needs, the needs of the right now versus the long tend to be a false dichotomy that we have to live within. And one of the things that um, I keep keep cycling back to is, you know, if a police officer is called uh, because of an incident, that officer is going to arrive after the incident's done. And so... And so the feeling of safety um, is is almost a, a misnomer because it's an after the fact solution to something, right? And I think that the the assumption is that somehow there'll be a deterrent, and that gets us into some problematic spaces. If if we if we have private security, who's supposed to be there as a deterrent, right? So if I know that something's coming back at me, I, I'm the, the idea, the thought. Is that I'm less likely something's less likely to happen, right? And and we get that I get that 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 thought process. Um, but what it felt like we were moving towards in the beginning of this were things that were starting to get at the root cause issues, it's the the things that get that 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 interrupt um, predictable patterns of not just violence but inequity before it gets to that point of inequity, not an afterthought, you know, but but addressing that root space. And it felt like we were on our way there. And now that seems like that may be unraveling for short-term needs. and I'm not trying to diminish it all. Folks need to feel safe. folks need to feel like you know they they've they've got you know protection that they could just they can do their daily lives. I get that. I get that, get that. Um, but i'm 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 concerned that we're losing our ability or or maybe even going further away from the ability to do two things at once. And that's one of the things that's got me pretty concerned. Um, both in terms of our local violence. Again, I want to remind folks that folks were already, when COVID hit, talking about the fact that we were headed towards the makings of a hot, a long, hot summer. We just didn't know how quickly the evidence of that would come. And so um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, as I look at all the trajectories, is there anything that's coming across your radar that is having and keeping attention on some of these root cause issues?
1: I think that there are a number of organizations that are continuing to allocate resources to those root causes. You have the Racial Justice Network, CARE Minnesota, and I think that there are uh, other organizations, um, uh, Justice for Jamar Clark Group, um, the BLM um, organizations. I know there's a few of them. Uh, I, I think that there are dozens of organizations um, and I definitely I can't name them all mm-hmm. uh, that are continuously looking at the root causes of these issues. But what concerns me, Anthony, is the way that our uh, politicians, use their power or don't use their power to amplify uh, some of these issues. And for example, here we are, we're seeing individuals who are out exercising their First Amendment right. This is a constitutional right. We're talking about the foundation, the very fabric of this nation. We have the right to protest. And that is being met with militarized private security. And people are being injured. And so now uh, the accountability, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at the root cause, the accountability has shifted because when you uh, were participating in the protest for George Floyd, you were met by literal military and Mm -hmm. police. And so there was calls for accountability there. And the same thing for Dante Wright. Now... The accountability has transferred from the city police departments and the military to this private security firm. So it it is interesting to see uh, the strategies that have been used by those who are in position to change these issues, to get to the root of these issues, the strategies that have been used to defer accountability to somebody else. As opposed to allocating the resources necessary, the time and the attention necessary to get to the root cause Hmm. to prevent this from continuing to happen. And so (laughs) it feels like we are in a cycle and right now we're in a cycle where it is quiet and there is a lull, but it's only a matter of time before something else happens because nothing has really changed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and so it just feels like we keep going in this cycle. Um, and that is, it is uh, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. We've been here it's like post-Jamar Clark. It's like post-Philando Castillo. We're post-George Floyd and Dante Wright, and we're expecting something to be different. We're expecting, what, the next police killing to be prevented? But nothing has really been put in place to stop it from happening. There's just been strategies to defer the accountability to someone else. Hmm. Meanwhile, the individuals who decided to turn their their pain into power, someone like State Representative John Thompson. And I'm not defending any of his actions or choices, but I'm saying here you have a Black man whose friend was killed by police and said, I'm going to do something about it. And, you know, I'd like to believe he tried to leave whatever mistakes he made in the past and move forward and start a new chapter. He tried to do something about it. He was the main person utilizing his voice in... A uh, position uh, 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 of making change on a legal level, and he's being attacked. And the thing that concerns me, and, I, and I'd love to, you know, pivot here and hear from our guests, is uh, hearing the governor use his political power to demand that John Thompson step down. And we have yet to hear the governor use his political power to, mand- to demand any transparency or accountability around the case of Winston Smith. <laughs>
0: there you go so talk about getting to the root of the real right that's something that is is, 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 is largely here uh, you, you said let's let's pivot to our guests I, I want as we as we do that I want I want to put something onto the table just because I can't ignore the history of this particular moment uh, we this isn't the first time in the history of the United States that in moments of racial strife or strife that involves or inculcates the black community in particular, this isn't the first time that private security, has been utilized in moments of tension uh private security which 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 has different rules and, or, and regulations and oversight if you know or in, and or not. Um, I, I, I want to be clear that there's a direct connection between uh, uh, the Pinkerton agency which was a private security agency used in the 1850s um, to to quote unquote patrol and, and address lawlessness that also um, has has, Um, uh, also has connections to the slave patrolling that that was happening at the time. And so, you know, this isn't the first time and cycles that keep repeating themselves uh, keep coming in. And so it's not lost on me that the fears that many folks that I've been talking to in community are starting to have is if private security is a new window for folks to be able to exact their particular view of how their quote unquote property should be protected Raises yet another problematic thing to figure out and have to deal with, um, you know, in a in a community that is already trying to 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 push for those root cause changes. So 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 again, yet again, we see history repeating ourselves. We, uh, private security was in, was was involved in the '68, another long hot summer. I mean, we can just go back and study the long hot summers and see these patterns come back full circle over and over again. Um, fitting. As you are, as you brilliantly put forward the definition of insanity, um, so we're going to bring in our guests now from the Move for Justice organization, uh, King D and Louis Tran. Um, uh, please introduce yourselves, and, and we're going to just check in because I know you've been listening to the conversation that we've been having so far. So I want to give you a chance to just respond to what you heard, and if you can, just start by introducing yourself to to the community as you as you reflect.
2: Um, how are everybody doing? I'm King Demetrius Pendleton. Um, Also um, have a platform as um, Listen Media USA as well. But I do network with Move for Justice News as well. Um, Yeah, it's interesting that um, like Georgia was talking about the conversation about um, what's going on with um, Representative John Thompson. It is very tomfoolery for um, Governor Walsh to basically um, use his um, political voice, if you will, Um, We had seen during the, um, Donald Trump was in office, how we seen white supremacists um, come on his lawn, uh, throw all types of things in his lawn and what have they. And he had made not one word. We had also seen him, um, also seen seen white supremacists um, come out with no masks on when it was a mandated, mandated um, um, report, if you will. Everybody had to wear masks. And um, that was being violated on all um, terms. And we also had seen white nationalists come on Islam, bearing arms, if you will. Um, police officers um, stood 20 foot back and, and did nothing. And we also witnessed the insurrection that happened um, January the 6th. And um, a lot of people were basically asking if this was Black Lives Matter doing something of this nature, um, would they would have gotten the same treatment, if you will? But I will also think about the violence that's going on in our community. James Ballman said it uh, well, when he made a quote, he said, our children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but yet they have never failed to mimic them. Um, A lot of our children has witnessed a lot of trauma and a lot of our children has been impacted with what goes on in this house stays in this house. So, and a lot of our children, has trauma and pain, right? And a lot of them are dealing with it through coping um, mechanism as alcohol, um, um, drugs, pills, or what have they, right? And we don't have any resources like other individuals have resources. I'm not being biased towards anybody, but everybody has resources except us, just so we clear. I will also um, channel off the piece of Malcolm S indicated about the media as the most powerful entity on the earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and guilty innocent. And um, that goes on right today to this day. And I'm so grateful for people like um, Georgia, uh, people like myself and people like other independent media groups out here. There's um, boots on the ground and doing a lot of things, move for Justice News or what have they. But um, it is necessary that we be out here by any means necessary um, to make sure that we document what's going on, because we know the media. Always chop, cut, and paste what they want to put the narrative on. As you talked about, Representative John Thompson, I um, witnessed going in the courtroom and I seen the um, um, full of doodle accusations that they was making against him, um, basically trying to indicate that he had incited a riot. Um, come to find out, it was some more other people in the hospital had gotten into a brawl, and that was on a whole separate area. And when they put the um, hospital on lockdown, they didn't even know what was going on. And also they tried to make John out of the angry black man, like they did Donald Williams in the George Floyd trial. Just have we seen our brother, Donald Williams talked about, I'm not going to make you uh, make me out of an angry black man. And um, it's just powerful to see what they're doing. And um, also I like when she picked it back about Winston Smith. Um, What we seen with uh, Winston Smith was a straight up, um, an ambush lynching, if you will. Um, They're not going to release any body footage camera. Um, The marshals was involved in it. Also, um, police officers of Ramsey County. You mean to tell me all these police officers out out here, none of them had a body camera footage on. That was a public lynching um, with no footage, if you will. But it's footage out there, but they're just not releasing it. And um, I just feel sorry for the people who are Um, taking a red pill, if you will, and thinking that um, everything is going to be business as usual because it's not. Um, Just so we clear, we want to um, a nation of people to understand Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul is ground zero, ground zero. Okay. What happened with um, George Floyd and the nation of people had to be on a standby and a, a nation of people had to be in quarantine. There was no denying what they had seen. You can't, I see what you have solved. So um, with that being said, no matter if it was a pandemic or not, people were still coming out. It's like, look, this was totally wrong. And uh, we're going to voice our opinions and things of that nature. And like you indicated, there was a lot of right-wingers coming in, um, clamping on everything, setting our properties on fire, killing people. And a lot of people had got killed doing that um, insurrection. Uh, d- uh, doing um, the riotous, and they just never really talked about too much of that. And we know, um, our brother, Kelvin Horton was killed. Um, um, Calac pond owner shout outside of his business, um, shooting Kelvin Horton in the back. And, um, he was released within 48 hours. If that would have been you and me, we're still being jailed and that would be that, but it's, it's totally sad. And, um,
0: you bring it's not going to be A, a whole lot use. there, you know, uh, as as you as you line them out and lay out the things that are on, that are in front of us. You know, this is this is part of the, this is part of the challenge of this moment. We are bearing witness to all of this, and we are, you know, as you said at the beginning, not unaffected. Um, it, we are affected in our bodies. We are affected in what we see, mm-hmm. and um, that 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 has to be addressed. We are going to be seeing the reverberations of this moment for 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 years to come not just in the children that came about now but then on our, in our bodies that are here we saw it with the folks who had witnessed uh, 68 63 65 72 84 right mm-hmm. and the downturn that happened there 88 right where we see a plateauing um even in our educational attainment that's you know 1988 we begin to see the plateau and the beginnings of the the separation educationally um, in terms of outcome, we we see the disparity growing from there. There's something that you said, and I'm gonna pass it to you, Brother Louis, in a second. But there's 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 something that you said earlier that stuck out to me. You laid out that Governor Walls had very little to say uh, with folks in 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 one instance when white folks were on the lawn, in particular, and there's the implication there, right? Um, but then is now coming out and speaking on this issue with with John, uh, Representative John Thompson. Um, we are also in a state where our own behavior data <laughs> and there's a bill right now being put into the legislature that says um, that's that's saying mm-hmm. that black and indigenous youth for the same behaviors, first and foremost, are, are treated very differently in terms of behavior. But then they went even a step further. Our data is showing us that for white students who show very egregious behaviors are not suspended at the same rate as kids who show very minor ones. And so we 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 even in our data the same pattern that you call out is inculcated, um, and I think that's just it's just an interesting point to 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 have to put up to pull out and make clear that that we have disparity. And many folks will say, "Well, there must be something in community." No, we had disparity for folks who are all working trying to do. The quote-unquote right thing. There's still a disparity of outcomes in the state of Minnesota. You are more likely uh, that uh, when you look at educational data, affluent—if you wanted to say that 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 economics was a part of it—affluent Black kids, all right, affluent families of color are outperformed by their poor white counterparts in the state of Minnesota. So when you try to parcel this out and make it about a whole lot of other things, the data just doesn't back that up. And we see that that folks are are, are have nothing to say or do. Um, uh, with one population storming the capital in this country, but have everything and they want to to say for folks who are screaming and calling for actual change. One is taking, one, one is an actual assault on our systems. The other are trying to push our systems to be better. And yet one is vilified over the other. So I think there's some important patterns mm-hmm. to, to, that you just brought to the table there. Uh, Brother Louie, what's coming up for you? I see your head nodding.
3: Hi, I'm Louis Tran, and um, I'm also part of Movement Justice News. And you know, I've been in the movement for with following uh, for like six, seven years now. And um, my brother King, there, he's you know, he's he's touched on quite a bit of stuff. So Minnesota's kind of like the uh, ground zero it's, and center, but Minnesota hasn't done anything as far as changes. You know, it's like people uh, talk about how progressive Minnesota is and so, all that stuff, but we're not, you know, and, and it's uh, it's there. There have been other states that have already made changes, you know, and but we are supposed to be that the ground zero and progressive state. But we're not even close to that. And, you know, and part of the problem is like we have people like like Warren Limmer. He's the chair of the judiciary and of uh, public safety, finance and policy. You know, and these guys are um Lawmakers are, I mean, they were, they have backgrounds in law enforcement. They were, they were uh, police officers. And so, of course, we're not going to get changes from them. You know, they, they like it the way how the system is set up is to work against, you know, black people, people of color. And, you know, so of course they're not going to try to make changes. And so that's part of the problem right now. It's like we have people in our legislature that were police officers. Um, and, and I know something needs to be done about like, you know, like, uh, Governor Walz, he needs to step up and use his power and do something about that. Um, with these, there are so many bills that, that are, you know, trying to work on changes and, uh, something like that that have been, they've been trying to pass, but it's just not getting anywhere or it's just so watered down. Um, when they do pass them, um, and the other thing I want to touch base on too is like more companies or more places are going with private security is because I think most people out there don't know like what security, private security can and can't do. And, um, and they think that they have almost like, uh, powers like the police do, you know, they like they think that they can just stop them and search their bag where Winston might was killed. Um, so I think. That's what problem And so it's important that people need to uh, record when they are confronted by the security group and record what's going on so that people are aware and so that we can calm out on. Stuff. I mean I, I worked security a long time ago um, about 20 years ago or so and so I kind of know what they can and can't do. and some of the stuff that these security, especially this uh, CRG security group that are doing it, some of the stuff that they've done it's very illegal that, that they are not supposed to be doing, but they're getting away with it right now because part of it is like MPD is working with them. You know, it's like when, when Chief Aredondo was asked a question the other day in up in North uh, during a uh, meeting with, uh, with the sheriff and the chief in regards to the that security group, the chief pretty much, you know, kind of skirted around and didn't uh, refuse to answer the question. Question about them, um, and so it's just it's it's gotten to that point where where the police are working with these security groups, and that and they're letting them get away with it.
1: You know, I, I want to say that it is an honor to hold space with both of you, uh, King D and Louie. Both of you have been relentless in your pursuit of the truth. Going out in violent situations, going out when your freedom is compromised to capture the truth. And so it is an honor to hold space with both of you today. I'm curious to know uh, your perspective on this. Minnesota, uh, specifically in the Twin Cities, we have a growing independent media scene. And it feels as though our community has started to really value and uplift and even invest in independent media in a way that i haven't seen in other communities how does it feel to be a part of that to be pioneering that independent media scene and what what do you think contributed to that what what is going on with mainstream media in minnesota Uh, And obviously I have my thoughts on that, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you think is going on with mainstream media in Minnesota that's causing people to turn away from traditional media outlets and tune in to the work that you're doing?
2: Well, Georgia, um, it is an honor and a privilege to, um, I mean, just to be networking with you. When the first time I met you, I just knew you was a star. I said, this sister here is going places. She is kind, generous, and just amazing, unapologetically intelligent. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I wanted to piggyback off of something, but I'm going to answer what you said. No one have said nothing other than yourself about Bob Flincher making a racist comment about black folks being in the house by sundown. If, any, if anything need to be on the news for three weeks, that need to be on the news for three weeks, just so we clear And also, um, the killing of Deanna Marie. I knew expeditiously when that man had went through that crowd of people and killed her, they was going to try to blame it on his um, mental illness or he was drunk, etc. It was a straight up a hate crime. And if her car wasn't out there, he would have killed more people than that, just so we clear. And um, luckily... Um, we put so much pressure, independent independent media put so much pressure on them that they had to come out and um, upgrade the charges. Also, reason why I feel that a lot of people are getting behind um, independent media is because they know how the narrative has been changed. Uh, we've seen it at the Star trip. We've seen what they've done, um, how they um, screwed up uh, Winston Smith's name, indicating that Um, he was this, he was that, making false accusations about him. And they did not um, apologize. And when they did apologize, it was a small little paragraph, if you will, that you couldn't even see. And they're working on diversity ships or trying to uh, make sure they write out um, better. But the one thing I want to really ask some of the media, um, um, do you want to be first or do you want to be right? And that's what I love about what Georgia do. When she get it in, she's being right. It ain't about being first with her. So that's what I I try to mimic off of what she's doing just to look like, look, I don't have to be first. I just want to be correct when I do put out a statement about certain things. And if I do uh, mess up, I will apologize expeditiously and correct the narrative and let people know because we can't get it right all the time. But I'm not just trying to rush out and, and document something to just be thrown under the bus because um, we know there's a lot of white supremacists, white nationalists, white media that's um, targeting my home, Georgia home, Louis home, and all the other independent media's homes as we
3: speak. So, um, what I wanna say like well first of all I just want to say, you know, especially thanks to uh George also. Um and uh especially you know, like especially you calling out the Star Tribune on Winston Smith, you know, like how they reported their false reporting. I mean that was fake and so much appreciated. Um so it's an honor to be here with you too. Um you know, it's and like King said, it's I think people are tired of how mainstream media just Quickly, false news reports, of, or like just they just make little clips of what they want, and um, and they're so quick in just pulling up negative backgrounds on, especially uh, black men, uh, when um, something happens. You know, like even when they are a victim of a shooting, they're just so quick to pull up their negative backgrounds. And like and like King said, you know, like but when a white man um, does something or something happens to him. They just portray him as this, you know, like this mental health issue, or like he was having a bad day, and just those kind of things. And and part of it too is like when things do happen um, out there, you have your mainstream media. You know, they basically don't like get right in there to record or find out what's going on. They kind of like hightail it or or hide, and so then they find out things after the fact, and they don't get the facts straight. You know, they just hear just word of mouth from people and they just kind of report whatever fits their narrative or like you know like or like king said you know like to be first you know like to be rated uh number one or whatever around the twin cities um and that's not what us independent media we're all about we're out there to get the truth we and i think that's what people are looking for uh especially people that are fighting for justice um they want the truth they want to know what's going on and People like King and I, um, you know, we were out there and even in the face of danger, even when we're harassed by police. You know, it's like, and that's part of the problem of independent media is that the police treat us also differently than mainstream media, um, you know, because they they don't look at, at us as like media or press, especially. Um, um, People like um, King and myself, I mean, granted, we report, I mean, we report the truth, but we also stand for Black Lives Matter, and I don't think, and and it's gotten to the point where they know that, and they're kind of like doxing us, especially the uh, white supremacist media people, um, And um, and so, but we're going to continue to be out there, and I think that's what people appreciate about us and invest in us, because we are putting ourselves out there no matter what. To record and uh, report the truth of what's going on.
0: You know, one of the things you know to your point, um, I have noticed about you all's coverage is, um, in, in juxtaposition to some of the mainstream media spaces, particularly locally, is in what is of interest. Oftentimes, and I think this is a this is something that is is part of what's baked into uh, our Minnesota, you know, experience. Is that there is a there is a dominant culture? There is a a a a, a, a normed uh, pattern to not just what is covered, but what kinds of questions get asked when something is covered. And what I find is that the independent journalists are asking the questions that I would have asked. They're at, they're getting to the to the to the um, to the questions and concerns and issues that are on my radar. And in and so I, I think it's something that that we let folks off the hook too much because I know that there's folks who intentionally ignore right or or there's there's just not even a, a, a pickup of issues within communities. But even when stories are covered, there is also a difference between those who are connected to communities and then ask the questions that are pertinent to those communities versus those who, who who will cover the things that are uh, are, are pertinent to our, our larger dominant society in, in, in Minnesota in particular, but in the nation as well. That's where independent journalists break through in a way. And I think that in a large way is contributing to why so many folks are turning to independent journalists because they trust you to actually go in and do the hard-hitting things. I'll, I'll never forget that that a British journalist— as we were gathering around, um, you know, was, they were talking about a story and somebody was talking about a story that, that local story that happened and somebody was like, yeah, that was a great story and the British journalist says, yeah, you know, that, that it's, I get kudos in America but if I were to take that to the BBC, they'd have looked at me like, where's the meat? Where's the, it's it's nothing, it's it's vanilla in comparison and so, you know, I think independent journalists, for me, carry the, the deeper richness and you actually ask the things that, I would ask at my barbershop, I would ask across my table, I would ask in our community sessions, and, and you know, I'm in the clergy too. So so the actual qu- questions and wonderings that come up from the people in church space, in this black church space, <laughs> are, are, are answered most often by independent journalists. And I hear them quoting and referring to and sending people to the independent journalists for the actual questions that they're wondering about.
3: But what I want to say too is like in regards to like coverage and what they cover, it's like, you know, like I talked to a lot of people. I have, you know, like a friend of mine who, um, had me do a Zoom meeting with, uh, 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 a few of her friends that are these, uh, pretty much kind of like elderly ladies from the suburbs. And, you know, like because they, she wanted me to talk about, uh, what's going on and what I see out there from my reporting. And they are just so surprised, as far as um you know like there are peaceful rallies, peaceful protests going on because um mainstream media usually are not out there reporting that you know that they they don't cover any of that, and so that's why most of these people are so surprised when I come, yeah, like they're just always like peaceful protests and rallies and marches going on. You just don't hear about it because mainstream media don't care enough to report that or to, you know, even just make a, a, a blip about it on their news segment. But uh, people like myself and King and Georgia, you know, we're out there for all these different rallies and different protests, whether it's, you know, even when it's just peaceful or just a a party or celebration of life for an uh, individual that was killed, just like when we were out there for Calvin uh, Harden uh, just yesterday. You know, and but most of the media mainstream media will not report that kind. Of, and so the community, the Twin they don't, you know, when they see hear about protests, march and rally, what do they think about? They think about riots. They think about that. Or you know, it's violence. They think about like that's that's just, that's what they're used to seeing and reporting.
2: And not only that, I will piggyback off of that. Not only that, whenever you think about the place where George Floyd was killed, Minneapolis, Minnesota has not passed one bill. They have not done anything to change the status quo. It's always business as usual. Minnesota is not nice. Minnesota will put you on ice. They will kill you expeditiously. They will kill you in the physical form and kill you in the mental form. And especially when they get you in the media and start talking about, well, he was in seventh grade, he cheated off of um, his test, and you know, what I'm saying <laughs> he was in church, he stole a piece of bread. You know, all types of tomfoolery things that they come up with. And um, when we think about what's going on right here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in St. Paul, let's not forget about St. Paul. And used to have all these um politicians, um, you know, petitions, um, pretenders, um, if you will, um acting like um they wanted our vote. And once they got our vote, they did nothing um at all. And out of one person that we've seen has been really boots on the ground still, even though he is a representative, he has been drug through the mud, everything that he's done, anything they come up with, everything, something eighteen years ago, they come up with this, they come up with that. Just like Georgia said, I'm not excusing excusing his behavior. What have they? We all have something that we've done in the past. When do we um stop being penalized for our past? We've changed our life around. When do we stop being? It's just like a person. Who's used drugs and he stole his mom a ring from 1979, right? His mom then passed away, but still he got brothers and sisters or what have they, still holding them accountable for something that happened um um 20, 30 years ago. And not only that, he replaced his mom's ring. Not only that, he buried his mom. Not only that, he went to school and battled himself. But they still holding on to his past. When are we gonna be um not held accountable? 4 our past, and I feel that it's very um, gut-wrenching how they basically railroad uh, Representative John Thompson on these chumped-up charges, but this is a prime example for individuals to see that Minnesota is not nice, and the racism here is not going nowhere.
0: You know, it's unfortunate we might not be able to do anything with one of the technicalities that have come up in this case, you know, regardless of all the, the, the vilification and the, and it's the mugshot thing all over again, we may not be able to do anything about the address concern, which is a technicality that, I mean, unfortunately, uh, (laughs) that's, that's something that he may not be able to, 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 to survive. And so um, what do we do that even when we get somebody in who champions, you know, uh, the 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 Emmett Till bill that came through to the floor the the um, uh, um, planning grant dollars for for the Rondo issue the the um, school suspensions thing we have important legislation right. that's going through the House floor and and regardless of what the outcome is here we're in a situation where yet another voice who can bring um, attention to those and a vote to these, these important pieces of legislation is in jeopardy. And, and especially at a time when we're trying to make changes and moves. I'm curious, you know, as independent journalists yourselves, one of the the, the purposes of bearing witness is to check in with you on how you're doing. Um, and so when we look back in this historical record, we got to hear from all the folks around and you you are helping to carry. I, I, I continually see even young people picking up on your feeds being able to say at least this, I know if something's on the ground because uh, they they aren't trusting of of the. Uh large rep- the the large mainstream I couldn't could get get the word out. They aren't trusting of, of mainstream reporting because it seems like it it, it it doesn't tell the story. This came about really front and center in the height of what everything was going on. I was part of several folks um who were opening centers and spaces for kids to come and get out the street when they felt unsafe and then back onto the street when they wanted to continue to use their voice. And one of the things that they were saying is um what they were seeing reported on TV is not what they were seeing on the ground. Mm-hmm and I think that's just that's that's very important. The the one caveat is the places where we actually see what's happening on the ground. Take January six for example. We saw what was happening on the ground because every camera was there. Like there is no running away from that. And so you know it's the one place where the narrative and the story was matching up with what we were actually watching live. And and yet we have a commission that can't even be formed to investigate it. And many of the youth that I serve had immediate investigations that happened on their involvement in the in the peaceful demonstrations that were happening. so uh, um I want to check in with you and and we always ask this question of our guests: how are you being you given that you are on the front lines on the ground and and I, and I think i'm I'm grateful that for the first time first time in a while we got folks who have been out there as frontline as Miss Georgia who i've I've prayed for that I mean you are my baby's uh, prayer list every night because after they they saw that video that that bottle almost you know hitting you in the head. So I got to ask you this question: How are you being you in this moment? There's a little colloquialness in there. My grandmother always used to come come in there, and I'd come into her with something, you know, somebody hit me, and I'm screaming and all that kind of stuff, right? And, she's, and all the world is starting around me, and she goes, "All right, you know, we can deal with everything on the outside, but how are you?" dealing with you. How are you surviving you? How are you getting through um and taking care of you in the midst of all the problems that you just laid on my lap because grandma's expecting grandma to fix? I wanna know first how you are being you and then we can work on the other. So that's where it comes from, the question comes from. So that's why I'm asking how you're being you.
3: Um, you know, the the tough part for me is that you know I I am one of those uh, what you call like an empath person. Mm. And so I, I just feel everything around me very deeply and strongly. And I just absorb everything around the world. You know, like my friend, my mom always said, like, why are you always carrying the world on your shoulder? And, and that's kind of like the hard part, uh, of what's going on out there. And, 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 um, and the hard part for me too is, you know, when I, I've gone through trauma in regards to, cause I grew up during the Vietnam war, um, my, the first seven years of my life. And so there's some trauma there. I mean, I don't remember a lot of it, but when you have stuff like, you know, flashbangs and stuff going off and that kind of stuff near you, uh, and stuff like that, it brings back some trauma for me. Um, and it's, it's always really hard. Um, so for me, it's, uh, it's, um, In the evening, it's always really hard in regards to just, uh, I try to just breathe and think of my new family, which is the movement family, as I call them. And, you know, and they're very supportive and they're always reminding me, you know, to self care because I'm really bad about that because I, if I'm not out there, then even when I try to take a little vacation up north and and I, I, for some reason I have this guilt feeling like I'm not out there reporting, but I know that there are people like King and Jordan and other people that are there to do it. Um, there are a lot of us, but it's, but that's why I rely on my movement family because they always remind me, they say it's okay. It's, you know, you need to do this because if you don't, you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive, and then you're not going to continue to be able to continue the fight. And so, for me, it's um, being me is uh, you know being able to just um, being able to accept and, uh, and and rely on my movement family just to remind me and basically almost force me <laughs> to self care and uh, and for that. I, I'm, I i do not get so stressed and anxious and angry about what I see and what I, uh, what's going on, you know, and I just want to, you know, I guess especially this last Friday, um, when, um, there was a peaceful rally and protest going on at Bryan Square Park. Um, and the thing that this time it really upset me because it seems like the Minneapolis police department has gotten worse since uh, the DOJ started their investigation here. It just seems, it seems like they are gotten worse. It doesn't seem like they've improved or made any changes. And, and I say that because there was this peaceful protest going on, and coincidentally, uh, you know, that they had this suspicious package incident going on just a block down. And so it gave them this reason to have so many officers in the area and then there wasn't, there wasn't going to, going to be a march, but there was a small group that started marching anyway down 31st, 31st street. And, um, and coincidentally, the suspicious package ended the exact same time. MPD picked up the package, put it in the car and started following the group. I mean, bicycle cop, all these squads. And when we got down to the, the, the parking ramp, all of a sudden, like, um, I mean, we're in the middle of 31st Street. We're, I mean, yeah, like, uh, and kind of just yelling at the security. And all of a sudden, like, they just bomb rushed uh, the people, and they and they were specifically targeting certain people that were like mouthing off to them. They were just like, you know, people were twerking at them or uh, just mouthing off to them. You know, that's not a crime, but those were the people that they targeted and arrested. And, you know, and of course Did
0: you just say twerking them at them?
3: them? <laughs> yeah, you know, there are people that twerk, you know, like they get out and twerk at them and stuff like that. <laughs> I think you know who that is, King. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I know. Yeah, and they end up, you know, arresting them on, you know, was it a uh, uh, public nuisance? Mm. You know, that, that's their new thing now, just public, arresting people on public nuisance. And um, after they made these six arrests, these six people... Then they basically just kind of left. They didn't care about the street, you know, anymore and anything like that. And They just cleared and left. And now it's it. So it's like they have this agenda. So that really, really hit me hard.
0: King D and Miss Georgia, how are you being you in this moment? With me, how am I
2: being me is I would describe it as two world, Two words, beautiful mess. Um, I do have a therapist. Um I do um therapy shopping, thrift shop, if you will. <laughs> um I, I like antiques and all that stuff. And um going to actually going to protesting and, and doing journalists has been my new um family, if you will. Like they say, we got your back. And I literally have um People in the movement has been more of a family to me than my biological family. that part I spend more time with people that's in the movement, boots on the ground on the street than my biological family because see I've changed my people, my places and my playground um i don't drink i don't smoke i'm a straight up l seven straight up square so <laughs> My life is way different than other people's, you know what I'm saying? Not to say other people don't drink and smoke in the movement, but I kind of line myself and I move different now because I know that I'm a target, okay? I, I can't do something, tomfoolery, and get out the next day, just so we clear. They hold holding me. But um, the movement has been such a, um, an influence to me um, so I can show my children and my family that I'm moving totally different and I'm staying in my lane. This is my lane. This is where I'm staying. I don't feel comfortable um, going to certain places. They try to get me to come to barbecues, all that family stuff. I won't go because I know, just so we clear, <laughs> something might happen. So I gotta stay in my lane, right? But um I not only that, I, I'm a sinstress, I sew a lot. And um, you know, from time to time I do some sewing. And um, you know, I, I just, you know, I just keep my life real simple. I keep it real simple and I, you know, I'm just thankful. Like I said, the movement is my therapy. I'm like going to the movement, going to different things. That's like my therapy to me. You know, just like Louis said, saying, like when we don't come to certain events, it's kind of like, oh man, I feel guilty not being there. You know, even though I know Louis or Georgia is covering it, but I'm not there. Just like he said, but you know what I'm saying? Um, That self-care, you know what I'm saying? Because I do have my children and um, a full-time parent, single parent. And I just do the best that I can. Make sure I take them other places, and and we do things together. But yeah, the movement is my family. So yeah, it's not even work to me. That's just like every day, wake up and breathing. I got to do it.
0: Thank you, thank you. Go ahead, Miss Georgia.
1: You know, I I can relate so much, and um, it's it's crazy to hear somebody else speak my language, <laughs> but. I feel the same way when I'm not out. I'm not reporting. I feel guilty. I feel like I'm supposed to be there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I do have three children. I have three girls, two, three, and 13 who are counting on me who need my time and and my attention and who are depending on me to teach them, um, how to be great human beings, how to be queens, you know? And so I have been investing, how have I been being me this last week? I have been intentionally investing in experiences that we can have together to create memories. So for example, uh, we got back out on the boat, on the Mississippi because everybody enjoyed it. And um, yeah, so we're, we're doing things like that. Um, going to get massages self-care because the reality of it is as much of as as much as we can override the things that we're seeing and we're experiencing uh, for the sake of doing our jobs the reality is it does affect us we do carry a burden um we emotionally spiritually uh, every time you, film someone crying uh, those tears they they stay with you you know and and so uh, it's important to invest in experiences that uh, rejuvenate you and and revive you and recharge your battery so I've been trying to be very intentional about creating those spaces not just for me but for my my children for my family as well.
0: You know, I want to thank you all for, for connecting. You know, one of the ways that I'm being me uh, in this moment, and it's actually been speaking to me, is I've been going to um, we've, the center that I run. We've partnered with uh, True Art Speaks and Sister Tish Jones on the Reverb open mics. And I've sat and watched these young folks, just their artistry, just be brilliant. And we've been doing it outside um, um, outside of, of our center, at Dunning Rec Center. And, and every Thursday, like, there's this new breath of air that just kind of comes through. And, and that artistry has been kind of taking me through in this moment. And so that's how I'm being me is being able to check and just, just be, be fed, um, by the, the, the beauty and the, and the artistry and the poetry of young folks. I want to thank you all so much for joining us today. We could go on for, for forever, but, um, uh, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for connecting with us and we always end uh, with what's become our motto brought to us by independent journalist Georgia Ford so Miss Georgia I'm going to give it over to you
1: in the words of Dr. Joy Lewis may the revolution be healing
0: uh, I want to thank uh, King D and, and, and Uncle Louie, as folks call him, uh, for joining us. Um, you know, Racial Reckoning has a partnership with Move for Justice for photographs for our project. and includes uh, uh, it also includes many graphics we've used for Bearing Witness. And so I just want to give another shout out and thank you to Move for Justice for their partnership. Well, that's our show. This has been Bearing Witness.
1: This has been Bearing Witness with Anthony in Georgia a part of the racial reckoning project, The Arc of Justice, a journalism project created and supported by Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities, KMOJ Radio, and the Minnesota Humanities Center with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.